Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Very good afternoon to you and wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It is 11 minutes past 2 on a Wednesday afternoon. And that means it's time for Judaism 101.9. Yes, this is Rabbi Michael Katz with you as your host for the next 45 minutes or so. To try and share with you some thoughts about things Jewish, things that you may know, things that you may not know, things that you may have learnt and forgotten, or just a kind of a polish up on some of the important Jewish facts and Jewish direction, ideas and ideals uh, that we're supposed to live up to. One of the things that I think that many people, either in their criticism of Judaism or in their uh, perception of Judaism, think or see is the fact that Stories repeat themselves, <coughs> may just be a fact of life, but the fact is that stories repeat themselves. Well, we only have to think about the uh, reading of the Parsha of the week as an example. Each week we read a portion of the Torah, and yes, of course, it was read same time, more or less, last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and so on. And we keep on rereading and repeating and going through the motions over and over again, if we think about the lineup of the Chagim, while we used to it, our festivals repeat themselves every year. We have a Pesach Seder every year. On Rosh Hashanah, we sound the Shofar. We do the same prayers. We go through the same traditions. And there is something most important about that as well as um, most unique and unbelievable about that. Number one is repetition makes us remember things better. If you've repeated something more than once, you remember it better than if you've only repeated it once. If you've done it a hundred times, well, it's ingrained in such a way whereby it becomes something that is part and parcel of you. It's indelible. It's part of your nature almost. It becomes part of you, part of what you do. It kind of becomes ingrained in your bloodstream, in your DNA. Certainly in your speech, your action, and your thoughts. Now, when we think about these things that keep on repeating themselves, we often look back and take a look, rather, at um, what can we find that's new. What is there new in the Parsha, the portion of the week? What's new to elaborate upon and to think about when it comes to the Chag? If we're repeating the same stuff that we did last year, Exactly the same way and we're utilizing the same thoughts and the same ideas and the same nuances and so on. Well, life is going to be rather boring as a Jew, as an observant Jew, as someone who's trying to keep up with the Jewish times of the Parsha, of the Chagim and so on. Um, there is always the idea within Torah learning, within Judaism per se, to make sure that everything is new. Um, and it is an amazing thing. We can pick up, or you can pick up, I can pick up, anybody can take a part, a piece of Torah, no matter what it is. You can learn it now, and I guarantee you, you put it away, you learn it next year, same time, same place. For instance, the Parsha of the Week, and next year you will see things that you never saw before. It's quite amazing. Now, this is not miraculous. Of course, there's something miraculous about Torah and Torah learning. But there are so many layers and there are so many things. And when you come back to something with fresh eyes, when you come back to something with a 
new vision, a new approach, and sometimes it's just your own new circumstances, you start to uncover and to reveal things that um, you never saw before, that you never imagined were there before. Um, learn a piece of Torah now, um, something perhaps pertaining to the portion of the week. Take a look at it in your Chumash on Shabbos. And take a look at the commentaries that surround it and uh, then put it away. Relearn it, even in a few weeks' time, never mind having to wait, wait an entire year. It will undoubtedly, there are some things that will ring a bell, but there are going to be some things that appear to be brand new. And you're going to see and you're going to be able to unpack so much different that you actually can't believe that you didn't know it before, that you missed it before, and so on. Now, all of this pertains to just about everything to do with Judaism. And, of course, it very often pertains to just about everything to do with life in general. But perhaps we need to think along these lines if we think about uh, the upcoming Shabbat, which is the Shabbos Project Shabbos, which is Shabbat of the Shabbos Project coming up on this coming Shabbos. Yes, at the innovation of the chief rabbi and uh, taken upon by the local as well as communities around the world, the concept of the Shabbos Project, Shabbat Project. The keeping of Shabbos is one of those cases in point. Is this Shabbos just like any other Shabbos? Is this Shabbos just like last Shabbos? Is it just going to be the same as every other Shabbos of the year? Or is there something unique that has to be invigorated, instilled, and put into not just this Shabbos because it is the Shabbos project, but every Shabbos, every Shabbat, to make it not different but unique? And uh, something exceptional in our own hearts and minds that it is not either boring or um, just like any other Shabbos. Those who keep any semblance of Shabbos will tell you, I'm sure, that Shabbos, every Shabbos is unique. Every Shabbos is Incredible. Um, we can't wait. By the time you come to Wednesday, um, this kind of time, you're already closer, of course, to the coming Shabbos than you are to the one that passed. And the countdown has really begun. We're thinking about the fact that tomorrow already is Thursday, the next day is Friday, Friday we launch into Shabbos. What a great and wonderful thing to only be two days away from the onset of Shabbos. It's a beautiful thing, we look forward to it uh, after a long and a hard and a difficult week, perhaps, or even just a week that was uh, filled with all sorts of challenges and ideas, ideals, things that we had to do and accomplish during this week, good, bad. And un unfortunately, sometimes ugly, we come to and we look forward to each and every Shabbos and we welcome it as though it is something brand new. It's one of the um, unwritten rules, perhaps, of Shabbos per se, to welcome it as something brand new. But that's not only because it is Parsha's Vaera, because Vaera, because it is the Shabbos of the Shabbos project, because it's this coming Shabbos, which occurs now <coughs> in the latter part, in the second half of the month of Cheshvan. But because it is a new Shabbos, a Shabbos that was never around before, a Shabbos that hasn't been celebrated before, a Shabbos that is absolutely brand new to the whole Jewish people and to the entire world. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So in trying to think how do we make 
every Shabbos special? How do we make every Shabbos new? And how do we bring a newness and a new life and breathe a new life into a Shabbos and even a Shabbos of a Shabbos project, which in itself has a kind of a unique flavor um, because there is certainly this energy and this feeling that uh, so many other people, so many people around the world are actually keeping this Shabbos together. How do we actually focus on what is there really to focus on in thinking about how to celebrate, how to commemorate the Shabbos? We can see that many different communities have adopted many different ideas and programs of how to do it. I'd like to share with you something that um, is uh, perhaps a little bit more personal, uh, introspective and in thinking about um, how each and every one of us can and should think about Every Shabbos, perhaps, but uh, not the least of which is this approaching Shabbos of the Shabbos project coming up on this coming weekend. To begin with, I'd like to share with you a very beautiful little story that I read. Um, not something unique and not something absolutely mind-blowing, but um, I think something special to think about as we approach this coming Shabbos. So the story is about a man named Avraham. That's appropriate because uh, Avraham Avinu, we're reading about in the Parshiot last week and this week, Avraham Avinu, Abraham our forefather, and of course all the great things that Avraham Avinu stood for, which has a relevance and have a great deal of relevance to the story as well as to this coming Shabbos. Because Avraham Avinu was known not only to be a great Baal Chesed, a great man of kindness, but he was also a great teacher. And um, in showing kindness to people, he showed them the ultimate kindness, which was to bring them closer to God, to see to it that they had a notion and an idea of how to keep Shabbos, of how to get closer to God, how to worship the one and only God, how to recognize their creator, how to be grateful, how to say thank you for what we have, what we can eat, what we have laid out as our Shabbos repast and so on. This man named Avraham, his surname is Vetzla. Now, you may not have heard of Avraham Vetzla. It's because it's a unique and kind of an unknown, almost insignificant, it would seem, story. But <coughs> this man, Avraham Vetzla, who lived in the town of Beersheba in Israel, um, once called the local Chabad Rabbi, his name was Rabbi Heber, and he calls Rabbi Heber and he says to him, I uh, would like to come and start learning with you. The rabbi hears that he is speaking to a man who's got the voice of an elderly gentleman, and he says to him, um, how old are you in amongst the conversation? And he said, I'm 90 years old. This is my name. I'm Avram Wetzler. I'd like to come and start learning. And he says, um, okay, um, well, how about if uh, you don't mind just to show a little bit of respect to you and your age, I come and learn with you. And the man says, no, you can't come to my house because I keep nothing kosher and I'm embarrassed, actually, to bring you into my home. I'd rather come to you. Um, <clears throat> The shear started. The rabbi, whether it was at his house or whether it was at the local Chabad house or the shul, uh, the shear started. They started 
studying together regularly, the rabbi and this gentleman. And as he uh, grew in his learning, so he grew in his observance of mitzvahs. Um, and um, he had mentioned to the rabbi that um, he um, wanted to study and he wanted to grow. And in fact, at the age of 90, <coughs> he realized that he hadn't had a bar mitzvah. The rabbi made him a bar mitzvah and he uh, was called up to the Torah. He had an aliyah. Um, and sure enough, as things progressed, after a while, he called the rabbi and he said, I'm now ready to kosher my home. Could we make the home kosher? And then he started um, Shabbat observance. And then eventually he dedicated a Torah to the shul in honor of his late parents. And it was at that time that the rabbi sat him down actually and quizzed him on what kind of spurred this incredible turnaround. And he told him, he said, you know, I've lived for a long, long time in Beersheba, and in fact, um, I was very anti-religious. I turned against things because I was born in 1927 in Hungary. I'm a Hungarian Jew. And in 1944, we were deported by the Germans, by the Nazis. My parents were then murdered, um, and they were Torah-observant Jews, and they were pious people. I was really, really angry with God, and um, I was angry at Judaism. And so when I came out and managed miraculously to survive, I decided to throw off every semblance of Judaism and Jewish life. I don't have a single symbol of anything Jewish I didn't have in my home. I didn't want anything to do with Judaism. I didn't want anything to do with God. And then it was just a short while ago that a neighbor, a woman in the neighborhood, invited me for a Friday night dinner. She invited me to her home um, with her family. And uh, when I came to the house, I got there early. And um, she then lit her Shabbat candles. Her name was Hannah, and she lit Shabbos candles. And I had not seen a woman actually standing and lighting Shabbos candles like that since my mother. For more than 80 years, I hadn't witnessed that. I hadn't seen it. And suddenly I had this flashback. Um, suddenly, I'm a child, I'm in my home in Hungary, it's Friday night, my mother's lighting the Shabbos candles, and she prays silently with her hands over her eyes, she prays to God, she has stream, is streaming tears down her cheeks, and all of a sudden, that all came back to me at that moment, and it was the next day that I made that first phone call to you, after that Shabbos, I made that phone call to you and asked you that we should begin learning. So at <clears throat> between the age of 90 and 94, when uh, this man eventually passed away, Avraham, um, he did an absolute turnaround in his life. He became a Balchuva. He started keeping Shabbos. He started keeping uh, Kashas. He started uh, living a committed Jewish life. And what was the catalyst? What was it that spurred him on? Well, he told the rabbi. It was one simple thing. He had witnessed and the only thing that really turned him around, changed his whole life, gave him back his connection, was the image of a Jewish woman lighting Shabbos candles. It's a powerful story because I think it has a great deal of pertinence to the way we celebrate Shabbos and the way we celebrate and think about this coming Shabbos of the Shabbos Project.
There are so many things that we would like to invent or think about or do in order to celebrate the Shabbos and in order to make it bigger and better than any other Shabbos and add certain things. And very often in our quest to try and do all of that, we end up doing a whole lot of things that actually aren't the regular things that apply to Shabbos. Um, to uh, say, well, we're going to have this uh, swinging party before Shabbos begins, and that is how we're going to bring in Shabbos. Well, it may be a great idea to uh, rabble-rouse and get everybody together, and that's great and that's wonderful, but is that really what Shabbos is all about? Isn't Shabbos far more about sitting down at the Shabbos table? Isn't Shabbos far more about a an individual seeing a woman lighting Shabbos candles or a man standing at his Shabbos table making Kiddush or a family sitting around and sharing a Dvar Torah or some Zmiris? Isn't that the most powerful Shabbos image that we be, should be trying to convey not only to our own families but to those who perhaps are a little bit distanced from everything? And isn't it perhaps the most important thing based on Avraham Avinu as well as on the story that we have of Avraham Wetzler? Is it not the golden opportunity that we have on a Shabbos like this or the Shabbos project to turn it all outward a little bit? Instead of focusing on or thinking about what are we going to do for the Shabbos project, should it not be what are we going to do for others for the Shabbos project, not what's going to happen for me, what's going to happen for somebody else. And as soon as we do that, I think we put ourselves into a completely different bracket. We become the Avraham Avinus of our environment and of our time. We reach out to others. We bring them a little bit closer. I can guarantee you that living in your vicinity, in your neighborhood, perhaps even on your block, on your street, maybe even right next door to you, there are people who don't necessarily celebrate Shabbos, and if they do, they don't necessarily do, do it correctly. They don't necessarily do it in the way that you do. How about you just invite one of them, some of them, more than one of them, and we have them at the Shabbos table. And the conversation doesn't have to be Bible-punching, Torah-filled, if you are not up to that and you're not able to do that. But let others witness the warmth of your Shabbos table. Let others witness the beautiful sight of the Shabbos candles. Let others see the uh, amazing glory and beauty of the making of Kiddush. Let people feel and see the relationship between husband and wife that you have between yourselves as you, you, you and your spouse. The relationship with your children. The way that the children sit around the Shabbos table and discuss Torah bring home their Parsha sheets, perhaps from their school, and ask their Parsha questions at the table. And to see that kind of handing down from generation to generation is so inspiring. I'm pretty sure of it. I'm pretty happy to guarantee that the majority of people who've had a turnaround in their life and have come closer to Judaism have been inspired around a Shabbos or a Yom Tov table much more than uh, the greatest shiurim classes, learning, etc., because there is something so invigorating, so uplifting, so powerful, so special, so spiritual, 
that takes place at a Shabbos table. And it doesn't have to be. In fact, sometimes I have the feeling that it sometimes gets lost when there are too many people around. You know, you and I, none of us can really give our best attention to um, a huge crowd that we may have at our Shabbos table or something in kind of a communal space. And people become just one of the many tens, hundreds, thousands of people uh, sitting around at a particular event. But what about that individual attention, which we don't often give? So invite that one person on your block that's not going to have Shabbos, or the one person on your street or the one family on your street who may be a little bit distanced. And when they come into that beautiful, warm, inviting, invigorating, uplifting Shabbos atmosphere, you have not a 100% guarantee of success. Because people are people and uh, you may not be sending the right vibes and they might, might not be picking them up. But the chances of doing something that's going to be meaningful and lasting for Shabbos, for other people, is something that I think is uh, absolutely essential and it's irreplaceable. And it's unmatchable by any of the big, fancy um uh, huge, loud programs that may take place around Shabbos or around the Shabbos project. So without any, God forbid, belittling or looking at Askans at anything that is done, of course, anything to invigorate Shabbos, anything to invigorate the observance of Torah and mitzvahs is something that needs to be and is always encouraged. But to think about the impact factor of one individual, and, you know, sometimes when we're doing business or we think about it in terms of the graphs and the impact on numbers of people, this is not a numbers game. This is about impacting on one or two people, um, possibly at a time, where the impact will be deep, where the ripple effect will be even greater, and where that impact will be felt throughout their lives and in a much greater fashion um, carrying forward from them as they pass it on to others within their orb, within their family, within their um, um, social circle, and so on. So let's think about turning Shabbos outwards. Let's think about making Shabbos available to all those who don't have it and spending this coming Shabbos of the Shabbos Project dedicated a little bit more to that. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So we've been talking about um, making things new, but perhaps making things really special. Because if something touches a chord within an individual, if it touches a chord within you, if it um, gets you going, uh, gets you excited, gets you inspired at a specific moment, that in itself makes the event and makes the time special. If you are just kind of going through the throes, if you are walking into shul perhaps and just saying real prayers, rattling them off, uh, if you're a guy putting on your tefillin, walking out and kind of the prayers and the atmosphere and the connection doesn't really penetrate into your heart and your soul, um, that becomes bland, it becomes cold, it becomes ineffective and it becomes ineffectual, it becomes something that is really, really closed and cut off and unexciting. Um, if we enable ourselves, we allow ourselves to be inspired. If we put ourselves in that atmosphere, if every time we go to um, a 
class, a lecture, a a share, something that you're doing in business or whatever, and you sit there or you kind of stand with one foot in the door and one foot out and you, or you sit there with a glum face and you absolutely are non-participative, well, the whole thing is going to be boring. It's going to seem like a waste of time. And it's certainly not going to penetrate your mind, your heart, and your soul. You're not going to be able to remember anything that happened there. But if it's something where you apply yourself, where you put yourself into the space, where you focus, where you don't fall asleep while the lecturer is lecturing, where you don't um, get distracted by your cell phone or anything else that may distract you at all other times, if you allow yourself to focus and be present and be in the moment, that is what is going to make all the difference. So it's actually... All about, I think, um, taking the right stance with something like Shabbat, with Shabbos. Enabling yourself to be in that orb, enabling yourself to be in that vibe. And at the same time, there is nothing greater for the individual, for spiritual upliftment, than to actually share it with somebody else. When you're teaching others, when you are helping others to grow, to learn, to become a little bit more connected, the incredible impact that that has on you, the, let's call it the donor or the teacher, the leader, the one who is giving that opportunity to others is so much greater. You've often heard it. You've heard how Good teachers, good lecturers, good educators talk about the fact that they're students, and we have it, in fact, in Pirkei Avot, in the ethics of our fathers as well. Um, I've learned from so many, but particularly from my students. Students, pupils, people who, you le- who, who are um, learning from you, um, actually teach you so much more. And especially in the realm of that inspiration. It's not just a satisfaction that you have enabled somebody else to be able to learn or to keep Shabbos or to have access to kosher food or whatever it is. It's the fact that they themselves, by their attitude and by their connection, really bring out the best in you and they enable you to become so much better connected yourself. So let's think about how we are going to really commemorate, celebrate, and inspire others on this particular Shabbos of the Shabbos Project. It'll not only change their lives, but it'll change yours too. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. What was it that made Avraham Avinu, that made Abraham a Jew? We always come away with the idea and, uh, of course, the basic answer to that, and that was he accepted God. He accepted one God, the creator of the world, and he accepted that God was everything. Anything and everything in this world is a part of God. It could not exist without God. It could not exist without God's constant invigoration, making it live. And therefore, when we think about Avraham Avinu, the definition of a Jew, because he was known as the first Jew, is that in and of itself. However, there is something else perhaps that we need to consider. Avraham Avinu stood up for what was right, what was correct. Even though the world was involved in idol worship, he was the one and only person who stood up against the tide, against everything else, and taught everybody about God. But perhaps there is something more, and that is that the first Jew had an outward-focused campaign 
modus operandi and life. It was never about himself. It was never about looking at what could I get out of it. It was always about others, completely outward focused, focusing on others, making sure that people who are disenfranchised are enfranchised, making sure that people who know nothing about Shabbos, Yom Tev, Kashrus, Judaism, Torah, that we can help them. It's about having that outward focused nature and um, ability as well as a modus operandi that Abraham Avinu gave us this incredible, incredible inspiration and legacy to be able to reach out, to be able to help, touch, influence, guide, inspire, and uplift others. That is actually the mark of what it means to be a Jew. And so this coming Shabbos or the Shabbos project, let's really be Jewish. Let's be Jewish in that notion of what are we going to do to help those and inspire those who perhaps don't have the advantages that we do. I look forward to being back with you again, same time, same place next week. Um, but in the meantime, wish you a great Shabbos up ahead of the Shabbos project, a great rest of the week. And uh, as we said, look forward to being back with you again next week, Wednesday, just after 2 p.m., Judaism 101.9.